Well, you've heard our theme song for years here on The Line of Fire. Today, you'll meet the man who wrote the song as we continue to talk about the power of music and much more. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Will you hear that? Singing in the background, Send a Revolution. It's the voice of Aaron Kreider, his song, Shake the Nations. And Aaron is going to join us today. You'll find out about that song. Find out about an amazing music project he's involved with that you're going to want to hear more about. And we'll continue to talk about the power of music. Yeah, later in the broadcast, we'll take some time to talk about the president's address to the nation last night the question of the wall and immigration. But we'll get to that later. If you have a music-related question, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. And to get my brand-new book, The Power of Music, God's Call to Change the World One Song at a Time, you can get it together with my interview with Aaron, my interview tomorrow with Paul Wilbur, some of our interviews yesterday with Becca Shea and Kalani Gleckler. Uh, over at our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, the audio and the book together. Hey, Aaron, it is great to have you on the air today. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Dr. Brown. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. All right. So, Aaron, you you wear a bunch of different hats right now, but you are on the pastoral staff with Worship and Music at Gateway Church, and you head up the music department at the King's University in Dallas, and you've recently earned a Doctor of Ministry in Apologetics from Southern Evangelical Seminary. So you've been you've been busy, been married to Holly with your family. But how long have we known you? Late nineteen nineties was that it? Yeah, that's correct. I I came to uh, the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry back in the late nineties. So it's been it's been about twenty years now. Can't believe it. Yeah, or looking at it from a different angle when you had a full head of hair. <laughs> That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true, which is why I wear hats today. <laughs> Got it. Right. But so, I mean, basically, we've known you over half your life then. That's correct. In fact, I turned 40 in a week and a half. So you Whoa. have known me half my life. That is absolutely wow. true. Incredible. Yes. Yeah, so when you came, it was you and Holly. Now you've got three beautiful kids and amazing family. So, Aaron, how how long has music played a major role in your own life? Well, uh, really since I can remember. Uh, my first memory of music impacting me was when I was in the second grade, and my parents got me a keyboard for Christmas. Now, it was just a, a simple Casio keyboard, and I had no idea that the impact that that moment would have on the rest of my life. But getting that keyboard for Christmas beginning to take piano lessons, which I didn't enjoy to begin with. But mm-hmm. um, since since my earliest stages, even before that, uh, remembering um, sitting with my grandparents, listening to uh, the Gaithers and all those sorts of, of musical moments as a child, um, since the beginning, I've had a passion for music and its effect on my life. But that moment when I got that keyboard in the second grade and begin to take lessons and begin to get the bug, as I call it, um, it was really, really early on. 
Yeah, and so we knew you. Uh, you were one of our students at Brownsboro Revival School of Ministry, and then immediately right. became our worship leader at Fire Church, and you were with us for, what, nine years? I believe so, eight or nine years, absolutely. Yeah, uh, amazing. Through quite a journey with the ups and downs and, and our financial challenges and all that, but but you and your family stood faithfully with us, and then you yeah. got called to Texas, and then ultimately got called to be part of, of Gateway. When was it that you first realized that you had the gift, the ability to write songs? Well, well, that's a great question. I think, you know, in my own mind, that's a gift I'm still developing, and I think will until, you know, I go to be with the Lord. But I think it was when I was in, um, uh, I was 16, so roughly in, you know, in my later high school years, 16, 17, and um, I've really, I visited the Brownsville Revival the first time. And I remember Lyndall Cooley talking about, you know, how songs uh, of revival have been written throughout every move of God um, throughout church history, that part of revival and part of move of God is new songs that come out. And I remember going home uh, from that, that first visit back to St. Louis, Missouri, where I grew up, with really just a, a passion, but also a challenge in my heart to to begin to write what the Lord had also done in me, and and to put that put that experience, that testimony, and just that message to put it to music. And so I I came back from Brownsville really with that challenge in my heart. Yeah, and it is interesting that different moves of God over the years, different spiritual movements have been known by songs that have been produced. And often they've had a particular emphasis because of the particular nature of what God was doing. In fact, Duncan Campbell said that during the Hebrides revival, 1949 to 1952, that the theme of the preaching was on the wrath of God and that Mm. dozens of hymns were written on the beauty of Jesus. So obviously people came on, were undone, came to cry out to God for mercy and experience God's mercy through Jesus. And the hymns, interesting, are about the love of God. But Brownsville, uh, emphasis on repentance, holiness, revival, but also an emphasis on the nations. And then it was, it was one of our missions conferences when our missions director, Josh Peters, asked you to write a song. Now, had you ever been asked, write a song for a specific theme or, or time? You know, at that point, I don't think so. I think that was the first time where somebody specifically said, um, you know, we have an event, we have a vision for that event, this is it, write a song about it, we need a theme song. And that, yeah, that would have been the first time. Interesting. And, and not every songwriter is able to do that, because, you know, no one can make you push the creativity button. Mm. That's correct. That's right. And that, you know, and I think at that moment, it, it was... I. I, I what I feel like is Dr. Peters, you know, really heard from the Lord that mm. there was a song that um, that needed to come out for that moment in time. And um, it just, you know, I was at the right place at the right time, happened to be the, the guy there to, to take on that mantle and do it. But um, I believe that that's something that the Lord just called us to do in that moment, to, was to write a song that captured the vision of what we were doing and what the Lord was doing in our midst in that moment. All right, so Shake the Nations, this is our annual missions conference. You've got a burden to write this, and our theme at FIRE has always been Jesus Revolution. Leave everything, follow Jesus, give yourself to touch and change a dying world. So h- how did the song come about, 
And then, you know, many of our folks have, have heard the snippet of it. They've never heard the whole song. So just give us more of the background. Mm. Well, um, thinking back, you know, to all those years ago, I remember, you know, taking that, that challenge from Dr. Peters very seriously, very seriously, because I knew that, um, you know, the Lord wanted to do something and the Lord wanted to say something. And it was, you know, potentially through that song that um, missionaries would would go from our conference back to the mission field. Um, I mean, just bottom line, funded, <laughs> that mm. the Lord could speak um, to uh, people at our conference to to join forces with our missionaries, you know, all over the world um, after that conference. So I began to sit down and really um, just think about the themes that were a part of what uh, God had put in our heart at that time at FIRE, you know, all of the themes of, of revolution and going for it and, and laying down our lives for the gospel. And, um, you know, all of those themes together, they just seem to kind of very easily come together. And really, the uh, it was one of those moments, now I haven't had that experience um, all the time with songs. Sometimes songs are a real labor. But in that moment with that song, it, it seemed to just really easily flow out of the vision and the message that we were living in that season at that time. All right, so it wasn't just some abstract, hey, I've got some ideas, this is going to be a cool song. This no. was putting who we are, what we're living, putting it to music. And, right. and uh, it, can folks listen to that? Is that on YouTube or just iTunes? Or do they have to buy it to listen to the whole song? Um, yeah, I believe it's on iTunes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Shake the Nations, Aaron Kreider. Uh, maybe one day we'll just we'll just play the the whole thing. It'll get flagged for copy. It'll get flagged for copyright content if we played it today, even though it's your song. But that's okay. Uh, hey, hey, not, it's not, all yours. But, Use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I know that YouTube doesn't, but that's that's fine. But Aaron, as as you've now lived in several different spiritual settings, in small churches and large churches in churches where there's hours of worship and churches where there's 20, 30 minutes of worship, you know the importance of music in the life of a church. Music with good content, with the anointing of the Spirit, with sensitivity. So if if you were speaking to pastors, leaders, worship leaders, what would you tell them in terms of the importance of quality worship in the midst of their services? Right. Well, that that's such a good question. Well, obviously music is it, it's such an integral part of, of what we do in lifting up our voices to the Lord and, and declaring Him the King of Kings. I mean, biblically, there's, there's, I mean, there's no argument against it. I mean, Psalms 95.1, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Ephesians 5.19, Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from the heart to the Lord. So, Music is, it's biblical, but it's, um, you know, it's something that we can also reach out and connect to our culture through as well. Um, Something that I would say is so important for us to remember in the church is that, um, you know, music in, in a genre sense, and this is just what comes to my mind as you ask the question, it has a shelf life. And I would say that we in the church, I don't think we misunderstand the power of music um, at all. 
we seem to um, have a good understanding of there is power behind the song of the Lord. But I think mm. sometimes where we um, disconnect is that music is constantly changing, and there is such creativity that God created in music, and it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing, it's constantly sounding different. And so often in the church, we like to camp out on a particular genre and style that makes us bob our head and, and, and all those sorts of things. And sometimes we disconnect from the culture that we're trying to reach because our sound becomes old and our sound becomes outdated. And I think that the message and the power and the, um, well, the message that is the power behind music um, has to be connected with staying current with what um, the sound in our culture currently is so that we can connect the message to the culture. All right, friends, we'll be back more with Aaron Carter. I I got a little Richard quote I'm going to read when we come back, get Aaron's take on it. Stay here. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Here's uh, what my guest, Aaron Kreider, Dr. Aaron Kreider, said about my new book, The Power of Music. There's not a more effective way for communicating a message than when that music is set to music. Dr. Brown brilliantly demonstrates the incredibly effective tool that music is for causing historic change. Every worship leader needs to read this book and fully realize the power in their gift for shaking the world around them. And uh, Aaron, let me, let me read something to you that little Richard said. Uh, He said, I believe my music is the healing music. I believe my music can make the blind see the lame walk, the deaf and dumb hear and talk because it inspires and uplifts people. It regenerates the heart, makes the liver quiver, the bladder splatter, and the knees freeze. Okay, that's that's little <laughs> Richard, and yeah. obviously he's not talking about the power of the spirit there. But what what's your take on the way he talks about just the effect music can have on somebody? Well, I, I fully agree. Um, I can remember I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and I can remember my some of my earliest memories being in the baseball stadium there. When you grow up in St. Louis. Cardinal baseball is just a part of life, and I can remember being there early, and especially if you're sitting in the bleachers, by the time the game starts, you know, there's a lot of uh, inebriated situations already happening, and it would always fascinate me as uh, just a kid to notice that as soon as the national anthem starts, as soon as that song begins, uh, the most inebriated uh, person seconds earlier is now standing completely tame with their hand over their heart, um, singing every single word to a song when probably in that minute they can't even remember what their name is. Mm. And now even today, um, you know, living in uh, Dallas, Texas, going to Ranger games, during the seventh inning stretch at Rangers games, they play God Bless America, which is a prayer. So we're at a, a Major League Baseball game, and this prayer of the Lord goes up in, during the seventh inning stretch. And by that point, for sure, uh, people have had one too many. But again, uh, it's the music. It's that moment where the song, it tames that savage beast. And for the moment, while the song is happening, um, they're literally lifting up a prayer to the Lord. Um, and it, it has always amazed me that it's music that does that. It's the message put to music that can do what Little Richard uh, 
said so eloquently there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what's fascinating is that if it was seventh inning stretch and over the PA system, they said we're going to pray a prayer to America, even right. though you'd have some some reverence among some people, it would be a, a whole lot different. The music does captures, and, and as, as I lay out in the book and dug in and did research on it, that we are a musical species, as some have said, and our brains are wired in a certain way that they respond to music uniquely, and that music creates a mood. You can, you can change the whole atmosphere in a place just by playing certain music. Now, right. what about a, a lot of contemporary Christian music that may have a, a desire to be uh, contemporary, relevant on a certain level, uh, the right musical genre, but the message is missing? Do you, do you see right. that happening as well? Oh, sure. I think so. And that's where, you know, as believers, we have to make sure that, um, as I was talking about before the break, that the culture of the style in the music doesn't become more important than the message. Uh, the message has to stay solid. The message has to stay strong. Uh, the same as we require our pastors in the pulpit to preach the unadulterated message of the Word of God. Um, as musicians, um, as artists in the church, um, we have to do the same thing through um, our music. The music, the styles, the genres, they're constantly changing. They're constantly evolving. And I believe it's important to uh, pay attention to that and stay current um, so that we can reach the world that we're in today. But the message never changes. The message of the gospel, the message of Jesus, um, it never changes. And we have to make sure, so important, we have to make sure that that doesn't happen as our musical styles evolve. Got it. So it's one thing to have a great message, but maybe it's tied in with pipe organ and something that would be very foreign to much of this generation or several generations. So that's one thing that the music is, is really outdated because it's a great message. Then the other thing is that music is great and all the professional and great musicians, but the message isn't there. Obviously the message must be there. Otherwise the, the musical vehicle falls terribly short. Uh, let, me, let me read another quote to you uh, for your take. So, so this was Woody Guthrie, folk icon, father of, of uh, Arlo Guthrie. And he said civilization, or reputed to have said, civilization is spread more by singing than by anything else because whole big bunches can sing a particular song where not every man can join in on the same conversation. A song ain't nothing but a conversation fixed up to where you can talk it over and over without getting tired of it. So I'm thinking of one of Gateway Church's early worship projects, a live worship project where Carrie Job sang the Revelation song. Someone mm -hmm. else wrote it. She sang it. It was recorded there at Gateway. And then it suddenly just explodes. It seems like everybody's singing it, and it brings a certain power with it. So what about, you know, what about what, what Woody Guthrie says, that people are joining, joining in on the conversation as the tune gets sung. It's just kind of, it spreads in a unique way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, obviously, that's a great example uh, of how that happened in the church. It wasn't um, just that it was catchy musically, but there was a heart and there was a message about it behind it that people joined in together and um, they agreed with. Their spirits agreed with it. Their life agreed with it. And we even see, I think, culture mimics that. Um, there's not a commercial on television that doesn't have a jingle. 
And what's, what is that jingle doing? Well, it's communicating a message through the commercial so that they can get as many people banded together to purchase that product. Um, there's not a movie on the planet that doesn't have a soundtrack to it, a musical soundtrack to, to capture the hearts and the attention of the people and, and bring them into that storyline, to pull them in to what's being said and presented on the screen. And uh, the, the same thing happens in our, in our music in the church. Revelation Song is the perfect example of that, of how a song and a message together captivated the hearts of believers and non and pulled them in together um, towards the gospel and towards just a, a deeper love of the Lord. And, you know, I was in Naples, Italy, ministering this, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Sunday morning before the worship started, the, uh, before the formal service started, the worship team was, was playing as people were coming in. And they started playing Revelation songs. So, of course, it's in Italian. So some of it I can make out from the English to the Italian, having been in Italy so many times. But even without making that out, the the power of the song was there for me because I knew the words and it immediately brought me to a certain place. And so you've, you've got, you've got a few elements. You've got the words, you've got the music, you've got the heart. What about the anointing of the spirit? You're highly professional. We'll talk in a moment about this amazing musical training program that, that you've overseen. You're not just random, just make the thing happen. You put bands together, you know how to do the sound, get people playing, working together, committed and all that. So it's not just some abstract thing for you, but what about with all the professionalism, all the excellence, what about the importance of the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Mm, that, you can't say enough about that. In fact, I, I, what comes to my mind is the memory going all the way back to our Pensacola days I remember when a lady named Ruth Ward Heflin um, was a visitor at the Brownsville Revival. And I remember that night, I had no idea who she was, uh, precious lady, um, but I had never heard of her, C- couldn't tell you who she was in that moment. But I remember as she, um, when she came to the pulpit and at a certain moment began to sing, and I thought, oh my goodness, they missed it with this lady, <laughs> because... <laughs> It wasn't the most professional sound by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't um, obviously the most trained voice. It wasn't the most in-tune example of professionalism when it came to music. But no sooner did I think that thought than all of a sudden the anointing behind her life, the anointing of the Spirit that was projected through the song that may have not been very professional, but the anointing of the Spirit of God in her life that came out with the song, um, it, it overtook the room, is the best way to put it, and, it, and it, it overtook my spirit. And I just remember in that that moment, the Lord taught me an important lesson, that yes, play skillfully before the Lord. God has gifted us, um, so many of us, to play music, and He's not gifted some of us to do that. It's important to know where God has gifted you, Absolutely. But what's more important um, than the gift is uh, the Spirit of God on the inside of us and the anointing that flows with the gift. Absolutely. Yeah, and and just the the services where someone sensitive to the Lord, someone prayerful, someone called and anointed for a certain purpose, they, they get up and begin to sing, 
right. and the whole spiritual atmosphere changes dramatically. There have been times when I, I couldn't preach. I, I felt a burden, but I just felt we weren't in the right place and asked someone to play or we're going we're gonna to pray for the sick or something and, and just said, hey, could we have someone begin to play or a particular song? And it didn't just touch me. It touched others. You have examples like uh, uh, Elisha in Second Kings 3. He couldn't prophesy until a minstrel came. And when right. this one began to minister, obviously the person was anointed to do what they did. The Spirit came on him and they prophesied. Hey, Aaron, if I can get you to stay a few minutes on the other side of the break, I want to let folks know what's happening at the King's University and then this whole music training program you've developed. So if you can stay a couple more minutes, we'll talk about that, all right? Absolutely. All right, awesome. Friends, you're going to be amazed at this program Gateways put together. Uh, I, I was stunned as Aaron was showing it to me as he was developing it. We'll talk about that. Let you know about the music department at King's University, especially all of our listeners in the DFW area. Those that want to find out more online. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, friends, this is Michael Brown. You are listening to, watching, taking in whatever method you have. The Line of Fire, great to be with you. We've been focused on the power of music this week as my brand new book, The Power of Music, just came out yesterday. Uh, speaking with different worship leaders, songwriters, Christian artists. Tomorrow I'll be speaking with Paul Wilbur, Messianic Jewish worship leader, songwriter. And today I'm speaking with Aaron Kreider. You hear him uh, through the day on the line of fire singing Send a Revolution, Shake the Nations. That's the voice of Aaron Kreider. Right before was the voice of Lendl Cooley singing Send the Fire, the famous William Booth song from the Salvation Army. But the formative moment Aaron's life came in second grade when he was given, family gives him a keyboard. So I want to talk to parents in a moment about getting your kids interested in music. Obviously, Aaron still be happily married, still be father of children, still be productive as a believer. But his whole life has been shaped by music. He's given so much by music. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Also, we'll be giving away some free copies of The Power of Music. So write this number down, 866 Three four truth eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four and then before we're done today, I will give you some thoughts about President Trump's address to the nation last night and the Democratic response. But jot this number down. Don't call yet. Eight six six three four truth. Aaron, what would you first say to parents that are thinking about getting their kids an instrument or want to get them to play? What's the right way to do it? Can they recognize a gift? Is it a wrong thing to push push music on a kid? What would you advise? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I remember for myself in the second grade, I was um, pretty excited at first. And then when I realized very quickly um, the difficulty in learning an instrument, um, I began to lose interest very, very fast. <laughs> and I'm, I was thankful that my mom pushed me to a certain extent, but um, she didn't, I, and I don't know if she really realized that, you know, what she was doing as far as whether it was right or wrong, but she didn't push me to the extent where she burned me out. But then at a certain point, um, you know, I re it, it really began to just, 
the best way to put it is I just got the bug. I got the music bug. And that's something that I've been I've been careful to watch for in my own kids, you know, not to push hard to the point to where it's it feels just like another chore to them, but to watch for those moments um where um they you know, they get the bug and and God really begins to um uh show them the the passions and the the things that he's called them to and even specifically music if he has. But I would say to any parent, um, absolutely to throw, throw out the line and, and see if they bite, you know, and even push them a little bit if at first they don't um, come along um, very quickly. Because, again, as we've been talking about, what a powerful um, tool to have in your tool belt. Uh, music can, um, it can change, it can change a nation and a world. Yeah, it, it absolutely really can. And again, I've got examples of that, friends, in the new book, The Power of Music. I talk about the role of music in, in communism, which I didn't know about until I wrote the book and researched it. The role of music in the civil rights movement, the role of music in folk protest and rock protest. The he- heavy metal music is used for psychological torture of, of prisoners. Uh, yeah. And for some, maybe opera would be psychological torture, whatever, you know, different different tastes and backgrounds. But extraordinary to discover all this. In fact, let me give away a free copy of The Power of Music now. Anywhere in the United States will send us out 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Caller number eight. I want to give you a free copy of The Power of Music. Aaron, tell us about this program that you developed for beginning, intermediate, advanced musicians to teach them instruments online. Right. Well, we have, uh, here at the King's University at Gateway, God's just so uh, blessed us to be able to raise up um, not just musicians, but even just leaders, worship leaders, songwriters, pastors, um, for a whole new generation of uh, leading people into the presence of God. And a number of years ago, um, we began developing a curriculum um, online, uh, a fully video um, online curriculum that is now completely integrated into our um, online Associates in Worship Leadership degree here at the King's University. So we have a, a Bachelor's in Worship Leadership degree as well as an Associates in Worship Leadership degree. And that degree can be um, earned completely online, um, whether for credit and or for audit. So that uh, full, full video online curriculum that's integrated into um, our program, is, has, we've just really seen some incredible results from students who have um, taken more traditional um, style lessons um, where they've really disconnected from it, where now you put a curriculum on an iPhone or an iPod for them, and seem, all of a sudden they seem to, to connect with it because there's a technology thing there that their generation connects with. So um, a, a fully video curriculum for raising up passionate musicians for um, leading people into the presence of God, and that's in our worship leadership program at the King's University. So anyone who's interested in that um, can go to tku.edu and um, hear all about it and, and come join us. Yeah, I'm an adjunct as well, adjunct professor at the King's University. 
And this program, Aaron, is, is I've never seen anything like it. And, and folks, we do have a winner. We'll, we'll give away another book in a few minutes, but we do have a winner, so uh, no need to call. We've had for a few minutes just been able to tell you yet. Uh, but uh, friends, this is not just taking classes with a lecture in terms of, uh, which is important and is part of the program about worship, about music and those kinds of things. But if you want to learn an instrument, how many instruments do you cover there, Aaron? Uh, well, we've built our uh, our program to cover really what we call just the, the primary um, modern worship platform instrument, instruments. Mm-hmm. So bass, drums, keys with piano, guitar, and vocals. So those main five instruments, and vocals are an instrument. So bass, drums, keys, guitar, and vocals. Acoustic Got and it. electric. Got it. All right. Yeah, and, and you showed me this as it was going up. I mean, uh, do you know how many... Man hours were involved in, in putting all the classes together. Any any idea? Wow, that's a great. You, well, I can tell you this: we've been working on it for February. February the fourteenth will be seven years. We'll be entering our seventh year of developing this this program. So, we've literally put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into developing this, um, shooting, producing. Um, developing the songs, the curriculum, everything, the website, the the mobile app, um, everything to, to where we can, you know, now offer it in our, our program at the Kings. So many, many hours. All right. So, friends, that's tku.edu to find out more about this. There's also a great Jewish studies program there. Uh, a grad of mine from many years ago from our school in Maryland ended up earning a Ph.D. at Cambridge University, David Rudolph, Dr. Rudolph, Heads up the Jewish studies there. So uh, it's a school we're affiliated with, tku.edu. Hey, Aaron, any other projects you, you've been working on in the midst of everything else? Any new songs you've written? Um, none, none that would be worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my focus recently has not been too much on songwriting, but uh, mostly yeah. on raising up a next generation who's going to write the, the next songs. Incredible. And uh, that's been my passion. But uh uh, one thing I would mention, though, is in our program, what's so great about um, our worship studies program and really TKU in general is that we are um, fully integrated into uh, the everyday life of an incredible local church, which is Gateway Church. So our, our students, when they come here, whether they're uh, biblical majors or worship majors, uh, they're integrated into that life of our church and able to learn not only in the classroom but in um, the everyday workings of a vibrant local church, which is uh, doing what we've always talked about and dreamed about in the 20 years we've known each other, which is shaking the nations and changing the world. Yeah, and, and Gateway Church supports our Jewish outreach. They've helped us over the years as we've worked together. In fact, years back, they opened up their sanctuary to me and gave us an entire camera crew and produced the backdrops and everything so I could record my 22-hour series countering the counter missionaries. They just did that to, to be a blessing uh, because they so had a heart for Jewish ministry. So we're thrilled that you and Holly are there. It's always special to visit with you guys when we're, we're down there. And hey, Aaron, so our oldest uh, granddaughter, Eliana, turns 18 in January. Your oldest daughter, she's not too wow. far behind. She's not. She'll be 18 in August, which I cannot believe. Oh, gosh, <laughs> uh, unreal, unreal. Well, yeah, life does go by quick, but the amazing thing is you've ministered to many. You have been so super productive in the kingdom and, and have overcome challenges, miscarriages, the, the 
things that, that people deal with in real life and have come through all of it with a triumphant faith. So uh, you and your family are great examples. It's great to have you as one of our grads and on our team together. And uh, I wish you extraordinary blessing in the days ahead. Well, Dr. Brown, thank you so much. You have absolutely been a father to to my wife and I, and um, we can't say enough about the impact that you've had on our lives. And uh, we're just so grateful for you, for sure. Well, thanks, man. We are family, and the best is yet to come. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. God bless. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Tell you what. Let's give away another book. Uh, we'll make this one really quick. Caller number five. Caller number five. You get a free copy of The Power of Music, 866-348-7884. Uh, let me read another quote from Woody Guthrie. This, this is not a believer. This is someone who just believed there was a certain power in music. 866-34-TRUTH, number to call. Look at what he, he wrote. He wrote to President Harry Truman in 1948. Let everybody everywhere sing all night long love songs, work songs, new hope songs. This will cure every soul in our jail, asylum, and sick in our hospital too. Try it and see. I know I'm a prophet singer. So this man was not a believer, and yet he had a sense of burden for America. I don't agree with a lot of his emphasis and, and a socialist type of mentality, but the point is he recognized how music could be harnessed. We do have a winner. We'll give away another book or two on the other side of the break. So we do have a winner, though. So here's how you can get hold of the book. You don't have to win it. You can buy a copy. The Power of Music, God's Call to Change the World, One Song at a Time. You'll also get, when you order on our website, askdrbrown.org, some of the audio interviews we've done with Aaron Kreider, Paul Wilber tomorrow, my guests, Kalani and Becca, yesterday. Much more to come. Stay right here. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, I, I found this really, really interesting that as, as I was researching for my book, The Power of Music, I found it really interesting to dig back into what happened with strongman, Panamanian strongman, Manuel Noriega. Years back, he was, he was holed up in, in his, his stronghold in Panama. He wasn't surrendering. He wasn't coming out. And according to the reports, the uh, Americans that were there to weed him out and, and bring him to trial for crimes, that they brought their Humvees up. They set up speakers and they apparently he was an opera lover, and they began to blast him 24-7 with heavy metal. Yeah, so picture that, that, that you hate the sound. It's this constant, intense volume and screaming message and things like that. And finally, he surrendered. And according to some reports, that's what caused him to surrender. Then I was reading about prisoners in Guantanamo Bay, wherever it would be, that one of the devices of torture is they would have the prisoner, he's chained to the ground, so he's, he's sitting up, he's got his hands chained between his legs, which are chained, so he can't, he can't move or do anything. And they would, just talking about it, gets, 
no, they put headphones on him and then blast 24-7 heavy metal music. And they said it didn't take long before these people were willing to confess to anything and say anything. And uh, it's very intense. Now, obviously, obviously, it, it gives you a feel for how music can be used negatively or positively. So much of the transformation that took place in the 1960s, the counterculture revolution, which for the most part has had such a terribly negative effect on our nation. Civil rights advanced, that was positive. Some aspects of equality for women advanced, which were positive, but radical feminism came out of it, which is negative. Radical abortion movement, radical gay rights movement, the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll, Eastern religion came out of it. So much of it was carried by music. So much of it was empowered by music. So this was, as you look back at it, music has an extraordinary potential. Think of the times you've encountered God in a unique way in the midst of worship. Think of the way a song has touched your heart in a unique way. Think of how you could just be in a totally happy mood and hear a particular song that takes you back to a sad time in life, and next thing you're weeping. Or conversely, you're kind of down. Next thing you're smiling and... Is the song that lifted you. You bring that power of music together with, together with a message, the right words and message, together with the presence of the Spirit. That thing can literally shake a nation. That's why I wrote The Power of Music. So it's for every worship leader, every songwriter, every musician, every music lover, every worshiper. That's why I wrote the book. I wrote it for you. And the last two chapters, I just focus on what the Bible says about music, uh, great hymns and songs that were used, how we got some of the famous songs that we have throughout the book. I give examples of this, how we got this song, that song, and things like that. It's fascinating. I learned tremendously going through it. And, and then, and then on, on top of that, on top of that, I, I give ideas for how music can be used, pastors, Individuals who just love to worship, love music, songwriters, musicians to, to inspire. Throughout the whole book, I'm inspiring and saying, hey, if music had this effect, if it had this negative effect on this portion of society, what, what could it do? Uh, it was, uh, was it Chucky e. D of, of Public Enemy? Is, is that right? Hip hop, uh, famous uh, leader group that, that said that, that hip hop or rap was black America's CNN. In other words, that's how they got their news. That's how they got their message. And so much of the hip-hop rap genre or genres uh, speaks of protest to injustice in society, uh, speaks of an anger of a neglected group of people or a people who become second-class citizens. And much of it reacts with, with anger and violence, but you've you got to hear what's going on and then say, okay, how can we use that in a more redemptive way to address injustice or to address a problem? But, but with gospel lyrics... One of the one of the better holiness songs ever heard was was rap, because it had so much content, so much word, 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 word. Anyway, just just a few things to share. So, a uh, caller number ten. I want to give away one more copy of the Power of Music, God's Call to Change the World, one song at a time. Caller number ten. And the worship leaders, the musicians, the songwriters who've read the book so far have really been excited about it, which blesses me because I wrote it for you. I, I felt this labor of love because people don't associate me with this message. I felt this labor of love to do it, and I felt great inspiration in doing it. So I, I pray and trust the book will be a blessing to you. Okay, you know that I have not 
said much over the years about immigration issues. Why? Well, one reason is God has not called me to focus on it. You can't focus on everything. You can't be a specialist in everything. So one is that God has not called me to focus on that. Two is that having not focused on it, it's also not an area of expertise of mine. So I don't, I don't like to give my opinion. I don't like to give my comments unless I feel there's something behind it. I mean, what, what, what good is it? Who cares what Mike Brown thinks unless I have some substance behind it, unless I've studied it, unless I have some expertise, unless I have some divine insight. So all, and, and then here, just to, to do a fact check, there's a website now. I don't know if it's a Trump-specific website or government website, borderfacts.com, borderfacts.com. And this would basically verify everything that the president said last night in terms of the needs, in terms of the, quote, crisis from drug smuggling to illegal immigrants and, and not just illegal immigrants, but the wrong kind of illegal immigrants, not just an illegal immigrant who long term will be fully incorporated in the society and a good worker and raise his family to love America, but the type of illegal immigrant that's not welcome in his own country and comes here as a criminal to, to commit more crimes. That's what we're talking about. Uh, so this website, Border, and we do have a winner, friends, we do have a winner, so no more calls, thanks. This website, borderfacts.com, would back up what President Trump said last night in his address. And then I've seen other people posting things, no, no, he, he completely failed in his facts. Check the facts here. And we don't have a crisis Numbers are going down year after year after year. Then you have quotes from Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. So President Obama, President Clinton. You have quotes from Senator Schumer and others that sound like President Trump said them. So I'm listening to all of this. And here's my heart, very simply. And then the Democratic response, which definitely a bit of a stiff response. I mean, that's the first thing you notice. Like, ooh, not, not the best optics there with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, regardless of whose side of the issue you were on, but the optics with the president ended up being better. And these days, optics is a big deal. Has been. Remember the John F. Kennedy, Richard Nixon debate, where it was a, an optics matter where Nixon looked bad, wasn't made up properly and sweating and all this. And Kennedy, good looking and charming. And, and that was it for Nixon at, at that time, became president afterwards. But, but all that to say this, I do not have a special insight to offer that is worthy of airtime and worthy of your hearing that is necessarily going to be better than anything that you have thought about or will give you good talking points as I'm constantly trying to equip you, help you, strengthen you, give you ideas that with which you can then go to others. All right. This much I can say this much I can say, and and these to me are very, very simple principles. So this, this is what I do want to contribute. The government does need to focus on security, right? If the government's whole focus was, hey, we just want to love people and help people, then, you know, you know, people don't want to be in jail. Why have people in jail? And people don't want to be paying taxes, so why make people pay taxes? And down the list. So obviously the government has to focus on running the government and protecting the country and doing what's best for citizens. Every government of every nation has to do that, Right. So the government 
should focus on security with laws that give a good entry point for those in crisis that want to take refuge in our shores, people that want to come over, and can measure how many we can assimilate, how many we can bring in without burdening the country. We are a nation of immigrants. We will continue to take in immigrants. Uh, Immigrants from past generations are great leaders in these generations, or their kids are. So we welcome immigrants as, as per the Statue of Liberty, but we make sure that we have secure borders. I mean, this seems to be no-brainer that we should all agree on. And the church in the midst of this is focusing on compassionate acts. The, the church in the midst of this is, is focusing on what we can do to love our neighbors ourselves, what we can do to help the needy, to help the poor, to help the refugee, to, to work with relief organizations and to sponsor refugees. There's always the ability for the church to do that. So the government needs to enforce our laws, needs to have a good path for those that want to take asylum in America, become citizens here, and there's a process to go through. And in my view, if, if someone's been, quote, an illegal immigrant, but they've been here 10, 15 years, they're hardworking people, they came in the wrong way, they're hardworking people, their kids have been raised here, their kids speak English better than they speak their native language, is there a way to give them a path to citizenship without expelling them with some penalties for breaking the law, but give them a path to citizenship, uh, that would be what I would want to do. But again, I'm no expert on this. Right now, what we need to do as believers is put Jesus first, the gospel first, pray for our government, and not get caught up in a frenzy about partisan politics so we lose our focus, we lose our testimony, we lose our witness. That much I can tell you with some weight behind it. All right, friends, the book, The Power of Music. Get online, go to our website now, askdrbrown.org. Order a, copy, order a few copies for your friends. I'll sign it for you, and we'll send them out with the audio of this week's interview.